Welcome to the Indoors Podcast. I am your host, Asher Korn. This project was created at the height of social distancing to give a voice to local artists and bands to share their stories in their own words and to find ways we can all continue to help support each other. All artists featured on this podcast submitted a sample of their music and a small bio about themselves. On this episode, I interview Max Jonas Neighbor from We Are William, a Fort Collins-based progressive metal band with sights set on blending elements of many different styles to create music that is at once inspiring, intriguing, and captivating. They state, quote, While we plan to dedicate the first part of 2020 to live performance, COVID-19's effect on the live music industry has made us shift our focus to writing and recording new material. We live in an era where technology has given us an unprecedented and unlimited capacity to create and share information remotely. We have embraced technology, long distance collaboration, and the DIY mentality for years now, and are incredibly grateful to be able to use these tools to write, record, and release new music completely independently during this time. This process serves as a humbling reminder of the power of creativity, of technology, and of our species to create positivity into the world. End quote. Coming up next is their single Opia, followed by an interview with Max.
Hi, I am Max. I am the bassist and I guess the audio person for We Are William, which is a progressive metal band from Fort Collins, Colorado. We previously have had members from as far away as Austin, Texas, since our vocalist moved there. We've been around since 2017. So we've had a little bit of time to get used to the whole social distancing, working remotely thing um, in our past. Can you define progressive? Sure. Progressive in a really abstract kind of zen sense just means that the music you're creating is experimental in a sense and you're trying to move the genre forward progress it a lot of progressive metal has its roots in the progressive rock movement of the late 60s and 70s which is bands like king crimson and pink floyd that were doing really weird things for rock and roll which up to that point was a jammy bluesy based idiom of music and they started introducing more jazz elements, more experimental time signatures, more instruments, all kinds of stuff. What that means for us, we are influenced directly by a lot of nominally progressive metal bands that play in the existing progressive metal style. But what we try to do is make a sound unique by combining influences from a lot of other genres. So our drummer listens to a lot of funk. I listen to a lot of death metal. The singer used to be in a reggae band called Raw Tune from Fort Collins. We place our influences from all over the map. The idea being that we can combine them in a unique way that still works and still is compelling in its own way, but is totally new to the listener. That's really cool. I didn't know that all of you had different musical roots. That's really interesting. We all, at some point during our kind of musical development, have listened to metal, obviously. <laughs> you kind of have to develop a taste for it. But we aren't all necessarily metal heads. Our guitar player, Derek, and as I mentioned earlier, our singer, Sebastian, listen to a lot of music that isn't metal per se. And we all like System of a Down when we were in our teens and stuff. But Derek, for example, listens to a lot of classic rock. Sebastian listens to a lot of indie. And I think that's very healthy to have in a band a lot of different kinds of influences, just because if you are all listening to a very narrow slice of the musical world, you tend to get bands that maybe follow what they listen to a bit more than they try to take that and mold it into something else. Not trying to talk down to anyone. That's just what I want to avoid as an artist. That's fair enough. That's, I think, important when it comes to writing music is to understand different types and how to play around with sounds and to understand genres better by having clear hallmarks of what is each genre and what you can hit in order to hit the sound you're looking for. Absolutely. And metal music in particular is very, very, very driven by genre, I guess, in its culture and its community. What I mean by that is that there's a lot of different styles of metal, a lot of different even subgenres of subgenres and stuff like that. A lot of those are pretty insular communities that they have surrounding them. And those communities and the differences in their taste, what music they listen to, the specific stylistic aspects of that music actually make a lot of difference in terms of what people will consume. So for us, metal genre is a thing that we're simultaneously protesting and using as a tool, I suppose. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about how songwriting works then, if everyone has something different they're looking for? So everyone has a voice in our songwriting process, 
but there are still people who tend to contribute more. We use technology quite a bit in most things that we do. We're very eager to embrace the modern musical technology that is available to us in this beautiful year 2020. And so what that means in terms of writing is that we like to fully form the compositional structure of a song before we ever play it together, which is very different from a lot of bands and a lot of styles where songs are formed by jamming and then you will actually record it in some way. This is for a couple of reasons. One, like I said earlier, our members don't live in the same city. Right now, two of us are in Denver and three of us are in Fort Collins, Loveland area. Previously, we had Sebastian in Texas. We've thought about bringing in drummers from out of state when we were without a drummer for a little bit. So it's something that we, one, need to do by necessity. So part of the technology thing is that we live all over or have lived all over and we don't necessarily want to all have to be together to all contribute to a song so we use a tool called guitar pro to compose the song first usually and what that is is it's essentially a program that produces written sheet music guitar tablature for guitar but it has a built-in player that will mimic the sounds of a band playing that part and that's another thing that's super important about it is that we don't necessarily write things that are easy. <laughs> a lot of the things that we write are inspired by very progressive kind of sounds that tend to be a little more difficult to perform. And a lot of times they'll involve weird time changes or bizarre phrasings, several variations on one theme, one riff. And it's very hard to keep track of if you're trying to kind of write it by the traditional method of sitting in a room and jamming it out with one, two members, the whole band is kind of a nightmare and a lot of times we write things that we have to practice a lot to be able to play so from that perspective guitar pro is also a super helpful tool in that it allows us to conceptualize a song as a whole where the parts might not be something that we can comfortably perform together and once we tab out a song once we have a uh, guitar pro tab for it that shows us how it's played how it's structured instrumentally what we'll do is we'll make a scratch track or a pre-production demo. Typically, we program drums for that. I, the bass player, and Mac, the drummer, will actually sit together in a room and kind of go part by part saying, hey, do we? what kind of groove do we want to do here? That works. I don't like that. And from there, I'll actually form my bass part around the guitar and drum parts. So typically, guitar is what we write first. And then once we have a pre-production demo of just the instruments, Sebastian, our vocalist, on his own will write the vocal parts and collaborate with us in terms of what we want for melodies, harmonies, what works, what doesn't, the lyrics. And at various points in this process, anyone can get involved. So sometimes somebody will come with a complete Guitar Pro file of a song and a demo so that the song essentially is finished, but then we edit it as a group. Everybody listens to it and says, this works, this doesn't that kind of democratic part of the process ends up forming the final song. Uh, other times we will get started by sitting in a room all together and playing the song, but then transcribing it directly to Guitar Pro. So that is the closest I suppose we get to jamming in a room is when we are all around the computer, you know, saying, oh, I want this riff to be in here. Okay. And then we tab it out and see what it sounds like with the rest of everything. But that's kind of what the process looks like. Do you want to talk a little bit about Opia? Opia is the first song we released that was not part of 
our first EP, La Descesa. To give a brief description of that, La Descesa was intended to be a full concept album inspired by, I should say, Dante and the Inferno. And so Opia is the first in a series of songs that are basically about human communication. The word opia is a, it's kind of an archaic word, but it's used to describe the feeling that you get when you're interacting with somebody and you know that something bad is about to happen. You're not necessarily afraid of it. You're not necessarily trying to avoid it. You're just aware of the inevitability and you have this feeling that you're just waiting for whatever it is to happen. Opia the song is about this specifically in regard to a relationship, romantic relationship. And that I think is where most people will be familiar with the the concept that the word describes. There's two people, they're about to break up, their relationship is strained, and they're together, but they both feel this calm kind of tension, this opia between each other as the relationship winds down and prepares to disintegrate. Opia has a music video as well that we tried really, really hard with our good friend Matt Pintaro to have represent the song and be very professional quality, and I think he did an absolutely fantastic job. The visuals are really, really stunning in the video, and I think they're a very good reflection of the lyrics as well. Opia was written in part before I joined the band, and I think it was written before Derek, our second guitar player, joined the band as well, definitely before Mac, our drummer. So it is kind of an older song at this point, despite the fact that it's only a year old in terms of when it was released. But we all definitely put our stamp on it still in one way or another as part of that kind of democratic part of the songwriting process that I mentioned earlier. I think we ended up with a really cool song out of it that's, it has that progressive flavor, but it's still very catchy. It's also the only thing we have done so far and plan to do for the near future that we used an outside producer for. Taylor Hahn from Hahn Audio recorded the single with us in one day, and that was quite the day. But I, again, I think what came out of it was a very good song, very good mix. In the future, we're probably going to be recording more things ourselves. La Descesa, the first EP that I mentioned, was recorded by our old drummer who's no longer with the band, Sam Barrett. I actually will be recording our new album and our next single that is almost a done, in fact. The reason for that is we are very particular and our process takes a long time. That's, as, as you can imagine from me describing our songwriting process where we go through writing the song and then transcribing it to Guitar Pro before we ever perform it, then learning it and then recording and then finally playing it all as a band. We like to take our time with anything that we produce to make sure that it's the best it can be. We like to all have a say. We like to be very particular about how things come together. And it's just easier for us to do that if there's fewer constraints and you have more constraints when they're our money and schedules from hiring a producer in place. So that's the philosophy behind that. And following from the theme that we set forth on Opia, the new songs that we have coming out soon are about communication, human communication, and the current state of it. 
I suppose it's the human condition through the lens of communication between people within an individual, between societies. And I'm really excited to continue that kind of theme because I think there's a lot that we can say with it. What Has that been a passion project during quarantine or is that something reflective of social distancing? Surprisingly, that kind of concept was consciously in place for us well before quarantine. It wasn't something that we went into Opia intending to do. But after Opia, the lyrics that Sebastian was coming out with and that we were getting excited about were kind of based on communication, either between people, within yourself, like I said, just any kind of communication, how it can break down, how it can be better. At one point, we were having kind of a band meeting and he brought it up and we all agreed a good concept for our forthcoming work would be to take that look at the human condition through the lens of communication and use that as a commentary on our society. How quarantine has affected that and how social distancing has affected that, I'm sure it's given us all a little bit of inspiration lyrically, but it's also narrowed our focus so that we are much more intent on creating new music and getting that out there because we don't have as much on our plate. We don't have to worry as much about restocking merchandise, touring, finances regarding that, when our next show is, rehearsing as a group. I think by the end of all of this, when we have produced the finished product, social distancing will have played a large role in its development and its end product. But in and of itself, the concept was not a result of that. Since everyone does a lot of remote work in We Are William, and a large part of the process is taking time to do things, do you think that COVID-19 has severely impacted the amount of work you all produce in any way? Or do you think that it's making the whole process easier? I think it evens out. We are all fortunately at this point employed so we do still have obligations outside of the band while we have more free time because we can't leave the house we do still have other obligations to tend to other than the band it's not like we can spend 24 hours a day working on the new material and even if we did i'm not sure that that would necessarily be a benefit at the same time like i said because we aren't worried about playing live rehearsing as a group or anything like that that normally would eat a substantial amount of our free time i think we're going to have an easier time focusing on creating and on producing the best content we can faster and i think the speed is going to be the main way that social distancing will affect the process of creating our new material is just that we have the same amount of time devoted to the band but a smaller fraction of it is devoted to things that aren't just writing or recording or that whole creative process that we have. One thing that we've kind of taken the, the opportunity to do as individuals in the group is set up our own studios and our own workflow. For example, Mac, the drummer, just got an electric drum kit so he can actually practice and play outside of our rehearsal space because obviously drums are very loud and if you live anywhere other than your own house, it's very hard to <laughs> practice in your own home. Our guitar player, Cameron, is setting up a home studio. I actually just had a green sharing video conference meeting 
type of thing with our other guitar player, Derek, showing him a couple things about recording audio and how he can make better pre-production demos. Sebastian, our vocalist, has made a vocal isolation chamber in his closet with some packing blankets. We're all moving more toward that being our main thing and making it easier on ourselves as individuals to contribute to the group from far away. And I think that's really cool. I'm personally, and I'm sure the other guys share this sentiment, I'm very, very lucky and very grateful to be living in an age where it's so easy for musicians to do stuff like this. We're not quite at the point where you can all connect via a tool like Zoom or Skype and rehearse together, but we are at a point where any person with a laptop and a guitar can create a reasonable sounding facsimile of a song, if not a fully fledged song on their own. We can send files back and forth at the speed and a quantity that we've never been able to as a society before. Previously, you know, I guess the closest thing would be recording a tape reel and then paying for the postage to send that, which is just not doable the same way as, oh, I've recorded this song. Let's bounce it down. I'll upload it to the Google Drive. I tell everyone, hey, it's in the Google Drive. Go listen to it. And they immediately can. It's really astounding the tools that we have at our disposal in the modern day and the positive ways in that those tools can impact creativity. The pandemic and the rules of social distancing and the doctrine of isolation will bring that to light for a lot of people and help a lot of people out with harnessing those tools. And unfortunately, I think some artists who don't use those tools as much and don't want to might suffer. What are ways that we as the local community can continue supporting not only We Are William, but the local DIY scene? The only charitable cause that I've personally been made aware of is the Bohemian Foundation's funding of musicians who can prove that they have lost income as a result of COVID. I believe it works relatively similar to unemployment, where if you can prove via documents that you would be making income. The issue with that with regard to local bands and especially DIY bands a lot of the time is that they're paid cash or under the table. We try to run our band as a business from a financial perspective and are actually registered LLC. So if we wanted to, we could do something like that to claim income. And for any bands that you know do have tax documentations of their gigs and stuff like that, that's a way you can support those local bands. That particular thing, as I said, isn't super helpful to DIY bands, very small bands. Almost every artist that I'm aware of has a Bandcamp page that has their merch listed on it or has songs available for digital download. If you use Spotify, you can still buy tracks to support the artists. And if it really boils down to it and there's no other way to support the artists you like, we're all just people. You can reach out to us directly and just ask. I think that's, if nothing else, a very important gesture that people can make to artists who are struggling in this time is just letting them know that somebody cares and wants to support them and that they will have support even in the face of things that greatly affect our society and our scene. Last words. I guess firstly, I'd just like to say if you like Opia or if you don't like Opia, but you like our style, anything like that, keep an eye out for us. We're going to be releasing more music during COVID and after COVID, and we're very intent on bringing stuff to the public no matter what happens. Take care of yourself. 
everyone needs to stay safe and healthy and let this pass as much as it can. I'd like to give a shout out to Chris Fernald, our sound engineer who works at Aggie and Washington's usually and is currently unemployed, unfortunately. He has always been super fantastic to us, both when we've played at venues that he's running sound and when we managed to drag him along on tours. He does end up suffering quite a bit due to being cooped up in a van with five other people and all of our gear. And we recognize that and really appreciate his sacrifice because we definitely sound our best when we're in his hands. Other bands in Fort Collins that are heavy are Triton and Wolf Blitzer. Last Word, I, those are my top three picks. They're all beautiful people and all make very worthwhile music. Thank you for listening to the Indoors Podcast. I want to give a huge thank you to Max for joining me on this episode. Max has been such a force of positivity in my life and is one of my favorite people, so it was a pleasure to interview him for this episode. We Are William was also the first submission I received for Indoors, and Max helped me a lot in formatting the submission process. So again, thank you so much, Max. I'd also like to thank my producer, Matt Gusmarati, for helping me create the series. Thank you to KCSU, and a huge thank you to you for the continued support of this podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Indoors.